Welcome to the Media Mavens Podcast, brought to you by the Evergreen Network. The Media Mavens Podcast is where you'll hear the latest and greatest trends, topics, and tribulations with industry leaders. And here is your host of the Media Mavens Podcast. She is the original Media Maven, Sarah Miller. Hi, this is Sarah Miller, CEO of Access Entertainment, and your host for Media Mavens Podcast. And I'm here with Joe Pirates, my co-host. What's up, Joey? Ah, uh, this Joey's doing well in his blanket <laughs> fort in Tucson. I, I've gone from Joe to Joey. It's cute. Yeah. I'm super excited. So, okay, so this episode is going to be on our new network at Evergreen. So I'm super excited. We just got picked up by a huge network and it's such good timing because we are so all about technology and digital this week. And we have Chris Tremont, who's the EVP and virtual banking over at Radius Bank. Chris, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Sarah. Joe. I love that you're in fintech because I, you know, like the whole payment side, fintech side. I have a lot of questions on the whole crypto side, but Radius Bank, I have literally, and I'm going to say it, we don't really do a lot of endorsements as a PR firm. I love Radius Bank since COVID hit. You always talk about just good and bad of everything, but given nobody wants to go to the banks, given all the screw ups of customer service, Radius Bank as a digital bank has been such a beautiful experience. It's, It's all digital and nothing changes, but better service of actual humans versus computers and eight hours of customer service. So like, I'm super excited to talk all things digital and fintech with you on the payment side, because I think you guys have done a tremendous job handling the PPP, given what I've seen and the experience out there. So I'm super excited to have you on board to talk about all this. But Radius went through a merger with the the Lending Tree. Lending Lending Club. Club. Lending Club, which I know nothing about. Just going to be honest here. You and Joe know about this more than me. But let's talk about this because your whole background has been in finance, banking, and fintech. Like, how did Radius even come about? Because they were not on my radar as a fintech until a year and a half ago. Right. Yeah, you know, Sarah, good question. So I joined the company, it was probably a little bit over 12 years ago. And Radius Bank as an entity was formed in 1987. So actually we've been around for a little while, but primarily working in the Northeast. The bank was headquartered in in Boston and probably nine months prior to me joining, our president and CEO, Mike Butler, took the job and he'd come from a larger organization and said, this is kind of an interesting opportunity to take a community bank that fairly niche focused, smaller, without a lot of of branches, but still a few, and say, you know, let's turn this into a higher performing financial institution. And so, like they say, timing is everything. I happened to to hook back up with Mike. We worked together in a previous company and shared sort of a similar vision around back in 2008, 2009. We said, we're not going to build a lot of physical branches. We're going to focus on delivering a great customer experience through great products, technology, and customer service. And, you know, sounds easy or simple, you know, simple, but hard to execute. And 10, 12 years ago, we weren't certainly the first to do it, but landscape was a lot different then, you know, in terms of building bank branches or just the model was different. And we're not negative on that model, but we said, we're going to go, you know, skate to where we think the puck is going. 
But and I so that was customers. That's your, but I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I mean, that is the customers right now because people want the banks. I mean, Chase, was it City Chase, the big business ones, as well as those B of A. They all have their issues. I mean, banking's banking, but was the main premise because like end of the day, it's about our customers, not the pretty offices. Plus I feel like it's cheaper overhead on your burn rate to not have the real estate you have to own because you don't own the properties anymore. It's all into the digital platform, correct? Yeah, you know, that was, it was, it was a, for both of those reasons, you know, when we designed and kind of rebranded the Radius Bank, our tagline was built around you, honestly, with that mentality of like, we were going to put the client at the center and it was going to be about his or her or the company's needs that we were serving less about, you know, the organization. And, and we felt like that's where people were headed. You know, I was talking about over a decade ago, you know, what we were doing today in 2021. It's a little bit easier to say, yep, makes sense. This is what everyone's doing, especially helped by a pandemic, right? Over the last 12 months. But 10 years ago, it was a little bit of a different story. And then from a financial perspective, yep, that's what our CEO, myself, others would CFO would talk about in the boardroom, right? Around how this made sense for the shareholders and for the company where you're not managing say a large branch infrastructure, physical stores, and, and all that comes with that, you know, the difference is you're making some upfront investments in technology, right? So the payback period, it's not immediate. So it takes a little bit of time on the investment side. But over the long run, if you're able to, you know, make the investments and put the money to the right places in terms of lowering your acquisition costs, lowering your cost to maintain clients while being able to provide great service. And then we can pour that back into providing better products, maybe through better interest rates on deposits or loans, that kind of thing. So that's what it kind of afforded us over time. So and I think I'm going to do the whole sales thing here, not to put you on the spot. Deposits, withdrawals, checks, anything you could do. I could go to any ATM. I don't have any... ATM fees. I know they charge you a few dollars on the front and back end if I'm a city or Chase going to be a vague, but you guys say any ATM you want to and all those fees you rack up, you reimburse back to the customer's account at the end of each month, right? We do. And we've been doing that for, again, over a decade. That was sort of our foray into it was a, a developing products that we felt consumers and small businesses would want. And we said, if we're not going to we're not going to have a lot of, of branches out there and we're not going to have an ATM on every corner. Some of the expenses that we're going to have to, to, to eat or to pay are like giving people access to their own money and not charging them a fee on the back end, like you said, when they take money out at a, a non-radius ATM. And, and when they get hit with that three bucks from a B of A ATM, we got your back and we're going to rebate you. And, that was like kind of a novel idea maybe 10, 11 years ago. It was like the cornerstone of where we started. But it's like still today, sort of like one of those flagship features that we offer and will continue to as far as, as long as we can, right? Like it, it, it's just the, the response has been great. So the, so it's any other bank, you have credit cards, you have savings, checkings, CD, interest bearing. You're a bank without the physical building, which I feel, and I don't know, it's, I've just always never been put on hold for an hour and I've had a call radius, but which is great. So I, I am going to tout that as a digital bank, you guys are the bomb. Like I've had such a good experience, but what made you decide 
a, was a year a year ago. I don't even know where we are anymore with COVID. You decided to jump on the PPP bandwagon. Has it been easier or harder because you're digital? Or um, how does that work? And when did you guys just, hey, sign us up. We're here to help people. We're in a pandemic. Or how did the PPP thing come about? Yeah, it can kind of interesting where, you know, you look at maybe who was able to survive or some even, you know, I hate to say thrive during a pandemic. But like I, say sort of that, that, I say to thrive and survive lean on tech. So it's okay. Okay. All right. So we can say it, but like in terms of banking, like who was built for it and who wasn't. And again, I keep harkening back to like where we started, but what we built years ago, the idea was sort of creating niches of products that we would offer or types of customers that we serve. So we were, we were adamant that we'd say like, this bank isn't for everyone, but we're going to serve sort of a broad array of clients. And if digital was something you liked and maybe you weren't dealing a lot as a small business with cash, and you don't need to walk into a branch, then hey, come check us out, right? Like we might be for you. And so in that regard, Radius was more than say, just like a consumer bank. That was maybe one leg of the stool where we offered some really unique and interesting digital consumer products. We also have a corporate side of the house where we're dealing with small businesses, middle market, commercial companies, whether it be for managing their uh, cash management, treasury needs, and then also some areas of commercial lending. And one of those areas that we've been in for a while is within the Small Business Administration, so SBA lending. We've been doing that for 10 or 11 years. That was one of the first things the CEO brought over when he, when he joined the company, was helping small businesses. So it was like core to what we do and who we believe in serving, like the small business customer and, and through the SBA program, which is something we love. We've just been very active in it. And so now you fast forward to a year ago where you know the whole world's shutting down and everybody's moving to digital. So we've got this digital technology built to help open accounts in minutes, service your account, you know, all online or, or through a, a customer service representative. And we've got some of that experience with ESPA, right? So kind of an interesting mashup of being able to pivot and jump on something when it came up in March or April of 2020. And honestly, this was something, you know, the teams got together. We said we got we gotta do our part to help small businesses in the US. And we have a development uh, partner, an engineering company we work with out in San Francisco, called them up, said, we want you to help us build a, a PPP application. And the teams collectively worked together and like I think it was like five days, got this thing stood up, like working night and day to get it live, and it was live early April. And then they helped us, you know, build the forgiveness application and everything like that. But, you know, kind of long story short, it was like, we were kind of built for that moment, both like the culture of the company and like what we were able to do. So it was, it's just been extraordinary what the, what this small but mighty team was able to accomplish over the last year. And you guys are saving so many companies. And because, you know, I have friends and business owners and so many stories and you know, I kind of want to drill down on this kind of a tough question because I want to get into the merger and other stuff. And I know Joe probably has tons of questions, but there was a few companies out there. I'm just going to say Cabbage, the worst ever and complaints about that. Because if I'm not mistaken, you, you apply for the PPP, you guys vet it out, say, okay, we approve, we get it to the SBA. And then the SBA takes that money, puts it somewhere. This dollar amount is reserved for this 
company, this person, this person, this person, and then you get all the paperwork together and then you release it over. Where cabbage has been approved by SBA for all of this money, but then cabbage dropped the ball, the system crashed, there's no way to talk to anybody, there's no responses. So they took all this money that was approved and tagged for customers, never gave the money to the customers. It just became a nightmare. So people were forced to go quickly scatter to find other PPPs before the deadlines and stuff, which I think is how we found you guys. And then we spoke to the SBA and they said they have so many complaints with cabbage. But if they took this money that was ear tagged, they don't give it to you to put in your escrow and your bank to make interest onto you, dole it out. Or do they, or does Cabotop return all the money? And I, I'm just going to dig in here, Chris, because PPP has been amazing for companies to survive. But it's also, I mean, I, we're looking at a former client of ours as a law firm. They've got three of the mm-hmm. largest lawsuits against the biggest banks. I think Chase, Wells, some of these guys, major law firms for cherry picking their high-end people, the first PPPs giving out money that they knew shouldn't go to a publicly traded company. I mean, we know about those lawsuits because it was a former law firm client of ours following those. And when we talked to the SBA, they were pretty adamant. There is going to be a lot of lawsuits and fallouts when this whole thing blows over. I mean, can you talk about that? Because, I mean, we all read it. Everybody has been battling PPP issues, good, bad, and indifferent. I'm just fortunate enough that we had a great experience with Radius, but there's so much out there. I mean, is this just, do you think they're just going to brush it under the rug to get through this? Or do you think these things are going to actually surface into bigger issues? Man, that is a great question. And I honestly, it was something we talked about internally as this was going on too, just knowing that. I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot, but you are an expert in this area. And I think these are the podcasts that we need to educate the masses on, you know? Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I probably, I'm not going to be able to speak on maybe what some of other financial institutions or non-bank lenders did. You know, I can stay tight to like our, like our approach and what we did, but I, I mean, like to answer your question, I do think there's going to be some kind of fallout or reckoning once we, you know, we peel the onion back and you start to see what really occurred. I mean, at the core of it, the the program was designed to help small businesses. I know it got, you know, it got beat up a lot of times, you know, you'd see about like who was getting the money or where it was going or how it was being distributed. But for the most part, well-intentioned, you know, to help small businesses through this tough time. So, and I think it did, you know, it served a lot of good. There were some bad actors out there in terms of people coming after free money, right? On the small business side, we certainly experienced it, but you're moving quick, right? So it's like, how do you catch some of even that, let's call it suspicious or fraudulent activity. So I think there's, there's like some of that going on and, and there, you know, I can't comment really on what like other financial institutions were doing. We just knew that for us, we were going to try to be as nimble as possible we weren't going to BS anybody about getting a loan or not. We we're going to be organized and truthful about if we could make the do it for you or not. And I do think like this is where community banks like Radius at the time and others got a chance to stand up versus maybe some of the larger national or regional banks where those guys said, you know, no new, you know, like if you don't have a relationship with us, can't get the loan at all, like don't apply. Or maybe they were looking at total relationship and I don't know, waiting it that way. For us, we use this as an opportunity to 
welcome a lot of new clients into the bank, like yourself, right? Like this was the best experience we could have had. So in that regard, it's been really good. But I mean, operationally, it's a lot to manage. You know, the volume is high. I'm sure a lot of banks that participated, stress levels are high too, right? For a small business owner and borrower, like what's going on? Where's my money? You know, and you're dealing with the bank who has to deal with the, the government and the SBA. So like everything, you know, moves at a certain pace, but I feel like we're getting through it, but you know, we're still, we're in this second or third round of PPP right now. And it might we, get we extended again, right? So. Do you think there's going to be a third one with Biden out there? I mean, not to go political on you guys, but, no, but they're, they, they're, they're like talking about it, right? Like it's going to potentially expire at the end of this month. I haven't looked at, I haven't seen if all the funds have been appropriated. My guess is that there's probably still money out there. We're still actively, you know, making some loans, but I would it's tell you that the second PPP deadline to end of March to apply. The third apply. one is kind of iffy, but you got to think that you took a whole year, year and a half out of the game. You're not going to be able to come back. We know it's only two and a half month payroll. It's enough to keep people on, but it's not enough to get back on your feet long-term. And I know they made a, I don't know if this is holding or not legally. If anybody took it over 2 million, there's these publicly traded companies who shouldn't have done it, who are giving the money bad PPPs. They have to go through audits and justify it because I know there's a lot of controversy. So uh, what was that? What was that? Is it Shakey's? One of those two of these big companies took like 180 million tons of money. That is not your burn rate for two month payroll, but you know they manipulated everything. But then some guy told the Wall Street Journal to F off. You gave me the money. I'm keeping it. It's Ashford out of New York um, Resort chain. And they told the CEO, you got five days or we're going to have an indictment down from you. I mean, it got so ugly. So I don't know if the government's going to just let it ride. It's such a mess run a pandemic or like, I'm hoping there is some check and balance there, but I just, I just don't know if a third PPP is enough to get us out of what we've been through. I don't know either. You know, I I think time will tell here a little bit. My guess is they're going to make some government's got to make some decisions pretty soon, right. Around whether to extend this or not. If you're asking me like on the spot here, what do I think is going to happen? I, I would bet that they would extend it, right? But that's just one person's opinion. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Would seem to me that they that they would. But you know, between that and, and the other stimulus coming out, you know, hopefully, and if 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 everything starts moving back to some kind of new normal with with vaccines and hopefully, you know what I mean? Like things slowly coming back. But I'm with you. Like it's not just gonna bounce back overnight. Certainly some areas have come back, but Others are going to take some time. Yeah. Chris, I have a question about uh, Lending Club. Now, uh, is it a club that you guys have to join or, you know, to <laughs> take part in the... the I, I'm just curious because I, I've read a lot on, on Lending Club and they do have investors in their, in their product. I know that they stopped that in December. But take us through. I mean, is it something like uh, some ordinary schmo like myself? can take advantage of. And if I have maybe, you know, $5,000 I want to put into an account, is that what you guys do? You mean a sophisticated investor like yourself, Joe, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, so, you know, the two companies, Radius Bank that I was a part of and Lending Club merged, Lending Club acquiring Radius, and that was effective, went through on February 1st of this year. So not even two months ago. 
and uh, came together and we formed Lending Club Bank. Lending Club, the company, was founded you know, in business 14, 15 years ago, kind of a pioneer in the digital personal lending space, an area where I can say this as a banker, like most banks have shied away from, now we're talking about consumer lending a little bit, mm-hmm. making smaller ticket consumer loans. We're talking loans under $50,000 for various reasons. Generally speaking, just kind of like harder to underwrite and get comfortable unless I, Joe comes into the bank branch. I know you. It's, you know, you have a relationship with the bank and maybe I'm going to do the deal. But to, to open it up at a, at a larger scale for uh, a good portion of Americans who need it, right? Like who, who need this loan for some reason or another. And so that's what Lending Club like sought out to sort of disrupt that side of the industry. And, and they did it like Radius did through technology and digitization and making it easier to apply for a loan. And on the back end, building up some really great data algorithms to rather than having a human underwrite the loan, use technology to do it quickly. And, and again, that was 15 years ago, right? That's where they started and, and built up a, a big presence. And today, with largest personal lender in the space out there. Um, you've seen some others come up, you know, that they would compete against, but just a, a really large company. And the premise though, you're right, of where it started was, I need a loan. You're potentially uh, uh, somebody that's got some money that you're looking to invest maybe a little bit differently than in the stock market or something like that. And you're interested maybe in help, people helping people was a concept, right? So you could you could invest in the loans, right? And so that's how that would work. That sort of retail investor program, and and as you noted, that's something that has been since curtailed as part of becoming a an actual bank. But that was kind of its founding with retail investors. But today, it has institutional investors that'll buy those loans, and now as being part of a bank or now owning a bank, we will will also hold some of those on our balance sheet. Interesting. That is very interesting. So basically, I could take my money out of the Caymans now go to you guys and start a savings account. Would that be correct in saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. That would, I mean, if you you definitely could do it. I mean, the beauty of these two companies together was that Lending Club was a pioneer in the digital lending space, right. primarily on the personal side. They'll do like unsecured personal loans, but also auto refinance and they do some patient finance lending too. And then you bring in Radius, who does some commercial lending, and then kind of a pioneer on the digital deposit side of the house yeah. for consumers and small business. So really two very complementary organizations coming together versus like a typical, you know, bank to bank merger where it's, you're doing it for bank footprint or something like that, or economies of scale. This wasn't that kind of deal. We said it was one plus one equals three, like bringing two companies together to do even more. And so. That was sort of the genesis behind it. Okay. You see, Chris, you see... But yes, we offer deposit products, checking savings that you could open, Joe, today (laughs) in like three minutes. That was an endorsement, Joe. I have a question for you, Chris. I mean, you know, obviously people want to get back on their feet. There may not be a third PPP people. You know, you only get a limited amount. Do you think the loan, the lending business for loans, small business loans, is going to start increasing now that we're getting closer to the end of this pandemic, hopefully with the vaccines out, back to business. Do you think you're going to see an upswing 
and just basic small business loans to keep going? And is it going to be easier for people to get those than pre-COVID because they need every chance they can to get back on their feet again to help the people get back to normal? Right. Yeah. You know, it's it's difficult to predict, but I do think on the small business side, we will see an uptick, you know, post PPP, let's say, in in the sort of maybe a resurgence of small business lending. Maybe now you've got some more players that that got involved with PPP where you sort of had to be digital, you know, in order to maybe accept an application or be able to service it. So there might be some more financial institutions that are that are getting in on the small business lending game. You've got some of the fintechs out there too that can help these non-bank bank lenders help providing capital. But I do think, you know, that's, you know, as bankers too, you probably think about the the what's next with your client. Like for us, we were able to, we were so grateful to be able to serve thousands of small businesses through this PPP. Some that had never heard of us, right? Like you said, I never heard of Radius, but now I love you. Is there a way for us to, to do more together? And one of those ways might be you have a small, you know, you got credit needs that extend past PPP. And so now that, you know, a bank like ours could be more comfortable with, with knowing your company and, and the business operators, you know, I do think hopefully making those loans will, will be a thing that, that grows over time. So both, both the lending and I think like the, the cash management side of it is a big piece too. So like these small businesses, yeah, they need credit, but they also, you know, need to be able to manage their, their daily cash flow and their operating accounts in probably a different way than they had in the past, right? Like you don't want to walk into maybe your bank branch every day or go to the ATM, but you want to do things, you know, from the comfort of your office or your home on the devices that you live on, right? So I think outside of just being able to manage like seeing lending come back, I think there's going to be this push in fintech and maybe the the banks as well too saying, how do I better serve small businesses? This kind of in this area where if you're not a consumer, you know, or a larger corporate, you kind of didn't always get the best attention. I don't think traditionally speaking from banks. Yeah. And I think a lot, a lot of it's mobile too, because we do a lot of mobile Mm -hmm. on the payment side. And the wireless stuff with the cards and the mobile app is a tremendous tool that's got to be a little more robust and thought through. But, you know, the banks are so concerned about the PPP and the pandemic and the scaling back on staff. I'm waiting for them to actually focus more on a more immersive mobile application to use because we're all online. We're all online banking. I mean, it's, we're in the digital world right now. So I think right. that mobile apps are a tremendous push. But I have a question. It's talking about fintech and digital. Let's talk crypto for a second. Uh, are you guys looking at moving into the crypto space? Because now, you know, blockchain and the whole thing with the space was great. It was, everyone was having fun with it. But right now, I mean, we're, I'm starting to see little things pop up. I think I saw a weird, weird ATM machine. If you have crypto and, you know, you're, you're buying in the digital space, Bitcoin, you could go and cashed in and out of your Bitcoin. And this just cracks me up. This FDIC does not insure or secure Bitcoin. If you lose it, you lose it. It's not traceable. Yeah. So I can go to your bank. Hey, somebody stole my phone, my wallet, had access to my accounts and stuff in there. I mean, are you guys going to eventually dive into that space? Or is it just still a little too, I don't know, say chaotic 
and a volatile? Yeah, I, I don't know if, like we'd say, it's chaotic, you know, too chaotic or volatile. We're probably a little too early in, you know, the integration of our two companies to, to firmly be able to have a stance on crypto. But I mean, it's hard to ignore, right? In terms of what's going on out there. One of the areas, like for us, we we work indirectly with a lot of clients that we, in the fintech space, a, a division we call banking as a service, where it's a fintech company wants to be able to offer deposit products or loans or cards to their client base, but they're not a bank and therefore they can't say hold insured deposits or something like that. There's banks out there that do this, a handful of them or one of them. And so we, we power bank products for a lot of these fintechs or white label. And one of the areas we haven't been in, but it's certainly on a roadmap, you know, back at the company talking about is, could we work with crypto type companies? I don't think like, you know, it's not going so far as saying like being able to custody the crypto, but just like maybe enabling some wallet type transactions with USD and some conversion there. But like, that's one thing. The other would be, you know, what is our play? Maybe larger scale as we look at what companies like Square and others, you know, the Cash App and others more on the consumer side that deal with with crypto. So probably a little too early on for us to have a stance on it, but it's something we're, we're keeping an eye on. And I think it's it's going to be interesting. You know, it's moving fast to even say, to say like, it'll be interesting over the next 12 or 18 months, but like, it's like 12 or 18 days, it seems like now, you know, things are, the cycle is moving so much faster. I think it's going to be interesting to see because now there's a lot more out there. Starting to see, you could just go in, cash in, pull out like a deposit like a bank. And it's just amazing to me because I have a tough time trying to see if FDIC is going to stand behind because there's really no there there with Bitcoin. It's an algorithm. So it's interesting to see where this is going to go because I'm seeing a lot yeah. out there, people pushing to invest in it. I mean, Bitcoin's up to like, what, $43 a Bitcoin? It's just insane. But there's only so much available. So uh, there's a lot of knockoffs. But I just find it interesting to see what's happening because we had a former client who has a other wo- wallet. They're doing the wallets, which is great. And they're trying to do, they're an IPO, small company, but they're trying to do crypto, trying to offer. But they are jumping through so many hoops with SEC and everybody to get that approved. And then they just dropped it like a year and a half ago. It was just too difficult. Mm-hmm. Then COVID hit, put them back. And they're trying to decide if they're going to come back and do a wallet and offer, you know, the coin, the crypto. But I, I don't know how SCC has turned down almost 99% of all companies to back them to have their own crypto wallet. So I'm just not yeah, sure right. if that's going to change or if just SEC is just going to put their foot down because there's so much other bigger, major issues going on on the very rudimentary level of banking dollars in general, given the pandemic. Yeah, it's interesting. It'll be fun to follow along. And like, personally, like we've been tied up, you know, very focused on our, our integration and going forward. And so like getting our chance to pick our heads back up, you know, and paying attention to what's going on sort of at the macro level and how we can participate. Um, yeah. Are you guys going to do a PayPal? Like, like I know we talk about there's Venmo, Stripe, and PayPal. Like, we personally use Stripe for the awards just because we hated PayPal. The fees were high and it was too complicated. And PayPal, for some reason, does not play well with Amex. So it was always a big issue with them. Tech Awards, we 
I'm just saying after 14 years, like PayPal still could not deal with Amex. So we switched over to Stripe so much easier on the corporate side. Is that something yeah. in Radius's future to pull their own kind of third-party platform like that? Yeah, you know that, I mean, that's kind of a, I love this topic sort of like on the payment side for small business and Stripe obviously has built such a fantastic company. I think they're, you know, you're talking about like now they're valued at $95 billion or something I read this week. So just crazy what they've been able to do and and by making it simple for small business and, and, and easy for them to get paid and make payments. Radius and Lending Club Bank on the small business side, we partnered with a couple of companies, not Stripe specifically, but to enable some of that that payments and you know, sort of in the e-commerce space, ability to get paid and, and send out digital invoices. One of them was with an interesting company called AutoBooks. They just did a, an equity raise recently, a little bit, not quite at Stripe's level, but a, a company that's growing nicely, focused on small business. And then um, we also have a, a partnership with a company called First Data. That offers a, a Clover product, if you're familiar with that, that you know, can enable payments both in-store and online. So we have a couple of tools that plug into our you know, commercial online and mobile banking that allow for sort of that Stripe-like e-com card payments that you mentioned. Interesting. Doing a little research for this, uh, for this podcast, I was taking a look at it. In 2018, over one-third of consumers have done business with a fintech bank. Let me ask you, it seems like you guys are definitely a, you know, a competition for a credit union or a bank because you guys are just so simple to deal with. You I can deal with you over the phone, I can deal with you on the computer. Do you guys see yourselves as kind of like the uh let's say uh wedding crashers when it comes to banking? <laughs> I don't think we ever I never thought of it that way, Joe, but maybe, you know, it was, it was always a tough question to ask, like, you know, because people want to know who do you compete against? And it was such a broad array of types of banks that we, we'd say we compete against, you know, some of the larger national, you know, the top four or five banks that everybody knows we'd be, you know, everybody's trying to take customers from them, right. If possible, some of the regional banks, like, especially up in the Northeast where we had a, our headquarters when we were radius, you know, that, that you'd mentioned. And then these online or fintech players, like actual online banks and then fintech non-banks, you know, that partner behind the scenes with banks, we're also, you know, we'd be, let's say, quote unquote, competing with. And and today we're excited to, to kind of call ourselves like the first public fintech neobank. Let's so to say, you know what I mean? Like sort of this new concept, bringing in what Lending Club did, what Radius did to form Lending Club Bank. Right. So yeah, maybe, I don't know, we could call ourselves the wedding crashers <laughs> of it today. Okay, you got your new uh, new tagline there for yeah. Lending Club Bank. We are the wedding crashers of banking. It's so funny. Quick question, Chris. Do you guys have global footprints yet? Or, is that, or was that the hopes on the merger with the Lending Club? We are not global today. We are national in scope in the U.S., but not foreign today. Can't say that it's, you can, you know, never, never say never, right? But today, probably our focus is more on the U.S. than markets outside of it. But maybe we do this podcast again in five years and we see where we're at. Yeah, I can see that. I mean... 
five months, not five years, the way things are changing. Oh, five months, right. <laughs> I could see myself as, as someone who's trying to start a small business to, you know, basically open my account with you guys and, uh, you know, just make it to where people could, uh, you know, deposit money who use my services into that. Something like that, I mm-hmm. think, is very, very convenient instead of having to search for my banking number with my credit union and having to try to deposit it that way. Yeah. I mean, that was like a little bit of our premise, Joe, when we started was like, A, we have to develop a, like a basic banking product for small business that you'd be interested in using, right? Like a checking or operating account that serves your needs. But B, you know, allow you to do it from open the account from anywhere in the country. Like you don't have to come into the branch to do it with all sorts of paperwork and it takes a couple hours out of your day. So we built a process that you can open it in under five or 10 minutes, honestly, like start to finish. And within 15 minutes, you could be on your phone sending out an invoice, right? Like invoicing a customer or getting paid. And so that's been sort of like, our value proposition, at least, you know, one of them to small business around the speed and, and making it easy for you to manage your, manage your business versus having to connect all sorts of different systems. I think, you know, as one of it to, to, to get paid or how you pay bills and all that sort of stuff you can kind of do all within our platform. Do you guys have a mobile app, Chris? Yeah. Okay. So all the baking we done over the mobile app once you get set up. Yes. So the check scan and every, uh, the check deposits, everything through mobile. That's right. We've got all those features in the mobile app and also obviously through web or a desktop application too. You could do like multi-check scanning as needed, but through the app, you can send wires, pay bills, send invoices, deposit checks, all that. So basically I go to Lending Club Bank and uh, look for the app right there, right? That's right. Okay. I think you do. To be honest with you, you know, we're going through the rebranding. It was, it, you, uh, can still, you can still get there through Radius Bank, but I mean, we're still under, you guys okay. are officially merged though, correct? Right. So our, even if you just want to check us out for the next few months, it'll still be RadiusBank.com. Gotcha. You can find our site out there. and We're going through a slight rebrand over the next three or four okay. months. And yeah. you're um, the corporate office, you have one office based in Boston, correct? Right. So Radius has... Our corporate headquarters was in Boston and we had a, a like a, a financial office there too. Lending Club had offices in headquartered in San Francisco, in Utah, and another office out in Massachusetts as well. And now the the banks, the bank's headquarters actually is in, in Utah now as part of the movie. But it doesn't change any of our Boston operations. You know, that office is still there. It's just not our headquarters. You guys are definitely leading. You guys are kind of making new roads to where fintechs go on the digital side. So I think it's tremendous what you guys have done by taking the whole digital path right now. You guys are leaning on tech to really make it easier for people to bank, to move around, to get their stuff. They need it done on loans, processing. So I think it's tremendous. You guys are one of the only digital banks I've seen in this past year that has shown the leadership through the PPP and this merger to take that digital initiative moving forward. Well, thank you. We appreciate, yeah, yeah, no, we, we appreciate that. You know, it's exciting. It's been exciting for me personally to be part of this journey with a great team at Radius and now to be part of it at Lending Club, where, like I said earlier, it's like what they were doing, what we were doing, and now bringing these two things together and to really focus it's not just on one niche, right? Like broader than, you know, 
fintech is great because it can find a problem and solve it. Ours is fairly broad in that we're working with consumers, small business, larger commercial companies, both on the lending and the deposit side to try to provide a really great banking experience. So that's, you know, that's been some of the most fun for me in the early goings here through the merger. This merger sounds like a very good marriage of two companies that, that actually needed each other. Well said, Joe. Thank you. The wedding crasher theme. Here we go. Yeah, you're <laughs> yeah. Fan. Yeah. I, Chris, it was so good having you on the show. I want to appreciate the time. I just felt like you've covered so many gamuts on the podcast from tech to sports to lifestyle, but we haven't really dived into the financial of where we're going here in the United States with the pandemic. So it was good to kind of have you come on, shed some light to the new era of banking right now for everybody. So I do appreciate the time. Well, thank you so much for having me on. It was great talking to you both. Yeah. And then anybody just, you know, either Radius Bank is the best place to go, RadiusBank.com for now, for anybody who has any questions. If they have any questions, I don't want to, you know, have you give them your direct email. So if anybody has any questions for any level, just go to the website to find what they need, correct? Yeah, that'd probably be the easiest for now. But you can find me too on the site or LinkedIn or something like that. Are you handling like partnerships and like mergers and acquisitions for the bank? Or are you only focused on the digital side of the radius and what's going on? Uh, the partnerships piece too, stuff that my team works on, any type of M&A work those or potential would, would be in another part of the organization. Okay. But for anybody who has any banking needs versus customer service, reach out to Chris directly. Yeah, yeah. Now, anybody thinking about in the fintech space or just need help with, with regular banking, whether it's consumer or small business, I'm always up to talk. Somebody emails you, I forgot my PIN number. You didn't get it here on Speed and Maven's podcast. <laughs> I've gotten that before, but I, I'm not the expert there, so I'd have to connect. Yeah. Yeah. I got, it was so good to have you on, Chris. Thank you for um, taking the time to talk with us. Joey, until yes. our next podcast, thank yes. you so much. Au revoir. I will see everybody soon. Thanks, guys. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Media Mavens podcast. If you don't want to miss an episode or download past episodes, subscribe to the Media Mavens podcast on your favorite podcast provider or on the Evergreen Podcast Network. To learn more about the podcast or our guests, log on to www.mediamavenspodcast.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.